and we are recording this week's episode at one of my favorite spots in all of the Twin Cities. Your second home. Sometimes, yeah. It feels like it. <laughs> I spent a lot of time here. We are at Cigar Jones in uh, Minnetonka, the intersection of Minnetonka Boulevard and Highway 101. I've been coming here for years. Usually, when we're on location, I always give you the credit, and I say, Schmitty, brilliant idea. This was a great <laughs> idea, but this one was mine. This is your this, side of town. This, is, this, is, this was all me. <laughs> I set this up. So Yeah, we're in the, we're in the back lounge, just uh, reclining in some leather chairs and uh, sipping some, some lift breaks. Bridge and uh, getting the show rolling. Yeah, uh, we t- give us a rundown because uh, usually I come here and I have you know like a, a diet soda or a bottle of water or something with my cigar. But today I have some very special libations in my hand. We are we are highfalutin today. So yeah, we've got uh, Dan from Liftbridge is going to join us, and we've got Kelsey from Shells is going to join us. We've uh, we've all got some cigars rock and roll, and the uh, the folks behind the counter here gave us some recommendations based on the beer we're drinking today. So we'll uh, once we're joined by Todd, I believe it is. He's going to give us uh, give yep. us some cigar one on one and give us a, a rundown of how to enjoy a beer and a cigar. Yeah, we'll be joined by Todd uh, later in the show. Right now, the the, the shop's kind of hopping. There's a card game going on. There's TVs on. If you haven't been to Cigar Jones and you like cigars, you know, make an afternoon out of it. Come down here. It's, it's, it's always great company. It's a really nice place to chill and hang out. Yeah, it's no wonder you uh, you live here. If there's cigars and cards. There's cribbage. There's, you know, sometimes a rogue poker game will break out. <laughs> I mean, you never know what, what's going to happen here. But, yeah, you, you can find me here and put a cribbage board in front of me, and I'm set for a couple hours. <laughs> well, I am uh, – why don't we skip forward to the uh, the Liftbridge segment. Let's talk with Dan about what we have in our glasses. How you doing, Dan? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Welcome back. Yeah, it's always nice to come and uh, drink some beer with you guys, and today we have cigars, which is an extra bonus. Are right? you, uh, you a big cigar guy? You know, I, I wouldn't say I'm a, a big cigar guy, but I certainly do enjoy them. Probably not often enough, but any chance I get to. As you uh, Facebook messaged me, I jumped right on that and said, don't worry, it's just down the road about 60 miles from me, but I'll, I'll swing by. It's, uh, it's tough, man. you gotta, you got to get it where you can in, in the middle of winter in Minnesota. You know, right? I'm, uh, I like cigars a lot, mm-hmm. um, but, man, in the middle of January... I mean, I don't smoke in the house because I've got a wife and a kid, and I love them, and they would kick me out if, yeah. I, if I did. And Minnesota law doesn't allow you to uh, to go into a, like a, a bar or something like that, and they don't, they don't let you smoke in there. It drives me crazy that they don't make an exception for like a cigar joint or a cigar bar or something like that. Every place I've lived, even when they have the, the indoor strict smoking laws and things like that, you can still have an exception for a 21 and over cigar cocktail lounge something like that and it uh, it really bums me out especially in the dead of winter right you know if i want to go someplace and maybe have a small meal and a couple of beers and watch a football game or something like that while enjoying a cigar nope sorry that's illegal right they're protecting me from myself you gotta drink in the parking lot and then and then enjoy a cigar <laughs> <laughs> but let's uh let's talk lift bridge what are we drinking dan so I brought over a little preview of our Silhouette, which is our barrel-aged Imperial Stout uh, for 2018. Still remembering that it's 18 and not 17. Right. Be writing that for the next three months. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is a, a beer we do every year. It goes into different types of uh, uh, spirit barrels, primarily bourbon. Uh, we use a lot of barrels from Heaven Hill. And um, Imperial Stout comes in at around 10.5%. And uh, it's a really nice stout on its own. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, but then after spending uh, about a year in barrels, 
you just kind of pick up a lot of those um, characteristics from the spirit. So a little bit of oakiness, some vanilla is a pretty predominant flavor. Um, and it's just kind of smooths it out. It's, it's really kind of velvety, viscousy on the tongue, so it concentrates quite a bit as well. And so it's, a, it's a beer we, we always uh, look forward to. How do you determine what barrels to use? And I guess maybe even how do you determine to use the barrels from Heaven Hill? What kind of process is it like going through that? Well, uh, when we started the barrel aging program, we started that with Commander Barley Wine. So that was a beer we released around um, Thanksgiving time. And that beer we started uh, seven years ago doing barrel aging. So over the years, we've added different beers to different types of barrels. And just we pull samples from individual barrels and just see what the characteristics are at different time points of aging. So some beers in some barrels are great the longer they go. Some they kind of peak out after six months, and then all of a sudden the beer doesn't taste good anymore. So really, it, it, it's been a lot of trial and error and really a fun experiment. So yeah. we do a lot of barrel tasting with Commander. I think you've been to the blending yeah. uh, time. But it's we, a rough gig. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Uh, I usually plan an Uber ride home after that night. Yeah. But, no, I've been to a couple of the, the Commander blending sessions, and it's it's always fun, especially, you know, you, you guys bring in some industry folks to kind of get some some input from a panel, and it's always fun to, to look at kind of how things go from the individual barrels into the entire process. Yeah, and it's kind of like a beer recipe on top of a beer recipe because you create the beer, you put it in barrels, and then you're creating another beer with those individual barrels. So we pull samples from each one's. And we taste and, and determine what the primary co components are from each of those barrels. And then we blend those in saying, well, we want more vanilla or we want more of this or that. So you're just adding those, those barrels. How, into long, how long is it in the barrel before your first tasting? When you put it in the barrel... And then when do you first dip in and see how it's doing? How, how long is that Usually process? not before about six months. Okay. So three months, there's really not a ton of change. But after six months, and then nine, nine and 12, then you really start seeing some huge changes. So is, it's, is it's there fun. a point where you've got diminished return where, you know, it's been in there a year. It's as good as it's going to get. It's not going to get better at two years. Yeah, I would say in some cases that's, that's certainly true. Um, Commander, we we've had different different things. I mean, it's it's so interesting because each barrel is different. Just like each, I mean, uh, distillers find that every time they're pulling a different barrel, they'd get different characteristics. So we're using some of the same techniques that distillers and vintners use to blend their wines and their spirits. Yeah, you know, when it comes to distillers, a lot of times they're looking for uh, a super super consistent product, right? Yep. And is that the the case with Commander and and with Silhouette? Are you guys looking to repeat? that exact same recipe or flavor profile every year or is it more of a well let's let's shoot a little more this direction last year wasn't exactly what we're looking for we're looking for more of that let's try to adjust it this year we we do make some slight tweaks i mean we want it to be recognized as the beer as commander or as silhouette but there are times where we'll say hey let's let's pull a little bit more uh, this flavor forward or that you know back that one off so yeah and you talk about commander you guys had a, a real distinct flavor the first year and kind of kind of backed off it a little bit yeah right? we had pretty heavy on cardamom and uh that was a very predominant flavor we did taste a 2011 commander this year and it tastes pretty good it was also pretty hot and boozy because the beer hadn't spent as much time in barrels it was only about nine months in barrels so it was it was a pretty aggressive taste that first year, but 
spending a little time in the barrels it's or in the bottles that settled settled yeah, down i think i still have five or six of those in my basement so you know <laughs> they're tasting pretty good right now <laughs> when it comes to selecting the barrels is it do you go into it each year with an idea of what you want or does barrel availability play a factor uh, we have an idea of what we want but barrel availability does play a factor we usually try to pick up pick up a few flyer barrels so maybe some things that we don't necessarily think it might make the blend, but we'll have, might be something interesting. So uh, so we did uh, cognac barrel. We did a couple of br- different years of brandy barrels. Um, what was the most interesting? <laughs> the Minnesota interesting. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And by interesting, I mean not great. <laughs> uh, for the most part, they were pretty good. We did, we did a tequila barrel. Mm. Um, which was kind of that's, interesting. That's tough. Uh, we've done a rum yeah. barrel. We've done a few others. And it just really wasn't what we were looking for for yeah. the beers. But the Tequila Barrel Commander surprisingly worked. Tequila-barreled yeah. beers are... Tequila's not good to begin with. Yeah. Why are you, are you gonna, talking no, about? You're drinking the wrong tequila. That I, I, yeah. I think you're out. You're you know fired. what? You, I, that's probably a fair assessment. Like, I, I gauged my tequila experience off of a good three years between 18 and 21. So, you know, that, that might be a fair assessment. Whatever guy could get his hands on at that point was what he was drinking. Just, the tequila and beer, those flavors don't blend great. I mean, I have, it has I've to had, be the right beer. I've had some tequila barrel beers be that, right that, beer. that weren't bad, but for the most part, I've, I've not been crazy about it. It's kind of like yeah. the, the gin thing now in, in beer. This gin is becoming, I think, a popular flavor component to at least try to incorporate or, or try to mimic in beers, and it's got to be done right. Mm-hmm. Can, I, can I interject yeah, a question? What you're here for. Uh, so, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a barreling expert in any way. I, I work in sales. I don't work in production. But I know something we've talked a lot about at our brewery is the prevalence of washed barrels that are yeah. coming into the market. Dan, have you seen any, you know, has it been harder for you to get washed barrel or unwashed barrels? Let's uh, let's take a quick break because we are up against the, uh, against the break and we will come back and Dan will talk about the uh, the prevalence of washed barrels and explain to listeners, you know, what that what that even means. We'll be right back. This is the Minnesota Beer Cast recording live from Cigar Jones. Justice and Drew. It's like your choice between waffles and pizza, but you don't have a choice of pizza. You just have a choice of waffles. <laughs> six to nine. You can make a waffle that looks like a pizza. You can have maybe different flavors of syrup, but at the end of the day, it's still syrup. I'm just getting waffles. Yeah, and it's still you're still just getting waffles, even though you know some of us would rather have pizza. We don't have the option to load and follow and stay on top of all the latest episodes of the Minnesota Beercast. We've got our very own channel on there. Just open up the app, download it first. It's free, and then open it up and. And uh, just search Minnesota Beercast, and you will find our whole list of episodes. You can follow it, and you'll get notified immediately when new episodes are posted. As long as we're doing plugs, let's uh, let's plug the Northern Lights Rear Beer Fest. Take a giveaway we're doing. Let's do it. Go ahead and tag us and the Northern Lights Rear Beer Fest on uh, social media, and you'll be entered for a chance to win two tickets, a $200 value, to one of the best festivals probably in the Midwest, if not the country. In the world. Let's in, be honest. In the, in the universe. In, in the entire world. In the known universe. <laughs> 
not crossing other dimensions, but just the known universe. We are recording this week's episode from Cigar Jones. Thank you so much to our friends at Cigar Jones 101 and Minnetonka Boulevard for uh, giving us their lounge for the afternoon. Looking forward to a conversation with Todd later yeah. in the show. But right now we're talking with uh, Dan from Liftbridge, Kelsey from Shells. And Kelsey, you uh, left off at the end of the last segment with a with a great question. We're talking about barrel aging, uh, enjoying the, uh, the latest... We're getting a preview, actually. Yeah, Not even we, the latest release yet. We're getting well, yeah, a let's do another tease before we get into the barrel question. When can folks get the, the silhouette when it comes out, Dan? So we'll be releasing that in a couple of weeks here. Uh, I think it's the weekend of the 17th. Oh, it's so good. And uh, we'll have a release party. So we're actually pre-selling uh, bottles online. So if people want to reserve bottles, they can go online and, and um, reserve them. And then you just bring in your, your uh, receipt and you pick them up at your leisure. So it's a nice way, uh, rather than standing in line, or that's you can just come I, I, on in and is that a, pick it up. That's it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah a lot of people have been doing the line thing, do which yet. is which is just fine. Um, there is obviously a little convenience fee that the the ticketing company charges, but sure. hey, you don't have to stand out in the middle of the well, winter. And, 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 and uh, heads up to my wife if 15. she's listening. That's our anniversary weekend, so guess what we're doing, dear? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're such a romantic. I know. I know. <laughs> and the beer beer is quite a treat. I, I looked it up before I came right now on Beer Advocate. It's in the top 150 beers in the world, uh, according to Beer Advocate. So it's... Um, Pretty highly sought after and, and very well respected. Well, let's Thank answer you for the, bringing us a preview. Yeah, yeah. It is, it's awesome. It's delicious. I want to I want to answer the barrel question, then get into some more beer advocate because I, I it's been a while since we trash talk beer advocate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing, but I do want to. It's been a while since we those are trigger words, for right? <laughs> <laughs> but Kelsey had a great question about washed barrels. Uh, what's your take on that, Dan? So wash well, first, explain what a wash what that yeah. what that means for you know people that might not be aware. So uh, typically when um, a distiller is finished with a barrel, they dump the spirit out and then they put the bung back in the barrel and then it'll get shipped to either another <laughs> distiller or put back or sent to a, a brewer. Did you just giggle at bung? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's my show. I can do what I want. <laughs> That's the actual word. <laughs> But um, so the term wash barrel is basically the barrel's been sprayed out or rinsed out. Um, so we we strive to get uh, what are called wet barrels, so barrels that have been freshly dumped. There's either going to be still a little tiny bit of liquid left in the barrel, or there's going to be the inside of the barrel has not been dried out. But it's fresh, right? I mean, that's and that's the difference it's, between wet. And washed, right? I mean, right. washed is sanitized a lot of times with either like an acid or steam. From, to- what, from what I understand, you know, from what I was told from my QC people at, at Shells, is it's a prevalence of uh, breweries that are doing second cut, or excuse me, d- d- distilleries who are doing second cut whiskeys. They'll take those barrels, they'll fill them up with water, they put them in like a giant paint shaker, and they shake it to try and get all the booze that's coming out of the barrel into the water, and then they use that as cut water in like say like devil's cut and some of those those second runnings products but then it creates this antiseptic issue in the barrels because you've lost all the alcohol that's killing the bacteria and the spores right from what i understand that was part of the issue that what happened with goose island and the infection that they had on bourbon county well and, and the idea right dan correct me if i'm wrong is that you want that that prevalence of the the bourbon or 
the scotch or whatever barrel you're using, right? If they're if they're going to leach all the product out of that wood, what's the point in buying a used barrel? Absolutely, that that is a key component to the flavor, and you definitely want those freshly dumped barrels that have not been been completely rinsed and stripped of all their flavor. And and we use the barrels once. After that, we sell them or, or move them on to a different different. Uh, they can be reused or re resurfaced, recharred, then for another distiller. Um, down the down the road, but you're right. You definitely don't want those washed barrels. And even after we dump them, you know they're really not good for aging beer because they, you know, they they're not antiseptic anymore from right. the, from the spirits. What about sour barrels? I know a lot of home brewers love the uh, the barrels you guys are selling after production or maybe getting someplace else where they will they'll funkify them. Sure. I they'll, mean, you certainly can do that, and they're perfectly good for that process. Any. Uh, any possibility of that happening at Liftbridge in the near future? You know, we've we've been staying away from the bacteria side of things, um, just because it it hasn't been our expertise. I'm not a super big sour fan myself, personally. I right. know some people might be booing out in the audience. Uh, you can't boo personal preference. That's right. <laughs> but um, you know, it just so it hasn't been a big driver for us. But, well, and, um, and it makes sense in a certain way, right? It's kind of a. You know, I don't know if it's. I don't think it's a flash in the pan. I think sour is here to stay. Do you? But I, I absolutely do. Mm. Uh, it's, we it's, should talk about that later. Well, all right. Invite, <laughs> we can we can talk about it now. Invite me back for that show because <laughs> I, I have some opinions. I think sours are here here to stay. I think so. I think it's it's definitely added to the the diversity of the the products that are available here in yeah. in Minnesota for sure. No um, doubt. You know, it, it's not for everybody. That's for sure. Um, and that's where I'm kind of coming from, because for, for about a year ago or so, mm-hmm. a, 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 a common topic on the show was, are sours the next IPAs, are sours the next this, are sours the next that? Well, that's and a, I feel like I'm not going to dispute that sours aren't here to stay. They certainly are. There's, they absolutely have, they have, a, they have a constituency. Uh, but it feels to me, and this is just from the consumer side of things, you know, mm-hmm. it almost feels to me like, like we've we've plateaued, plateaued with, with sours. I actually think that you're going to see a lot more breweries doing uh, kettle sours. They're a lot they're a lot easier than say what we do at Shells with our with our Noble Star series. The other thing I would say about um, the sours is that from a woman's perspective and um, I run the I'm one of the co-leaders of Barley's Angels here in Minnesota and a lot of female drinkers who were maybe more into wine or spirits are discovering beer through sours because they're going out they're having a sour because their boyfriend husband friends or whatever want to want an IPA they get that sour and as a wine drinker or spirits drinker they're starting to see beer as being more approachable through that style. And then they start to venture out into fruit beers. And once they've had a few fruit beers, now they're moving into IPAs that are that are just are described as citrusy yeah, or or passion fruity. And I agree with that a lot. It, it yep. starts them mm, on a, a path and you're bringing in a, a different demographic into the craft beer well, world. And I want to talk about the 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 fact that you said you know a lot of women try the the sours or the fruity beers because that's really been the case at my house if if i want 
my wife to try a beer, it's got to be like a Creek or, uh, you know, a back sweetened Lambic, something like that. Um, Lambic. Flanders, a Flanders yeah. Red or yeah. Brune. And I don't know if it's because a lot of those flavors are more akin to the, the wine that she drinks or what is it about the, the female aspect of those flavor profiles? It's, I think it's the sweetness, and I also think it's a little bit about the fact that um, for so many years, beer was something that wasn't supposed to be for women, and so there's some preconceived notions mm -hmm. about what they should taste and what they should like, and when they hear the word plums or they hear the word raspberries, it's, you know, they go, oh. I like my raspberry <laughs> bath and body spray, and right? so I'm going to give this a shot. And then they realize that their palates are deeper than, you know, it's it's all about opening that door. Yeah. And and those are descriptors and words that they're comfortable with. And but again, the sweetness that happens, that tartness, that is something that um, women are they're not afraid of. So more help on on my domestic front. How can I move my my better half from the the sour fruited side of things to to the IPA. What are the next steps? Uh, you're probably not going to like what I have to say, and I know your wife. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say um, get her on the, the hazy IPA side. Yeah. The yeah. the, the, you the know, orange juice in a can. The juicy. orange juice in the can. The juicy because I think that is that that there is that missing link between I, the two. I think that I should, hadn't thought about that, but that's actually a really good point. Yeah, I hate I, that descriptor, juicy. Juicy. I, I think that, I think that, that term needs to stay in 2017. It's like smooth. Yeah, what, is that, what does that mean, juicy? It's such an yeah. ambiguous term. It almost, it, it, to me, it, it, it's, it's almost about the texture. Yeah. The yeah. texture of those northeast thick, the hazy. The feel. Yeah, they feel like you're drinking an orange juice. They feel like you're drinking something that's got a little pulp in it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we talked about phases and flash in the pan a little bit. You know, we we think sour might be here to stay. Drew might have some issues with that, but <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to dispute that it's here to stay. What a, I, I just, I, I feel like it, it's like I said. I mean, we we were talking a, a year or two ago about sours becoming the next big thing, and, and I don't feel like that's happening. But they've certainly got a distinct place in the in the beer world. Yeah, especially yeah. the kettle sours, like like Kelsey mentioned. What do you what do you guys think of the the Northeast or is it New England IPA? The New NE IPA, yeah. whatever. So it's New England's in the Northeast. <laughs> what what is that? Uh, is that flash in the pan, or is that going to take the same path as as sours, where it's going to carve out? a niche in different variations. I, I mean, I, I think it's... I don't know that it's a flash in the pan, but I, I think it's just the evolution of the IPA train. I've never talked to, to a brewer who's appreciated uh, a New England IPA. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think most... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think a lot, of, a lot of classic brewers will say that it looks terrible. You know, it's too... <laughs> Too cloudy, too opaque. The wrong, it's the wrong color. Is it, is it because yeah. it's too easy to make? I don't think it's easy to make. I, I don't think, know. I'm not a brewer. Not a very good one. And I would say that that's maybe more of a Midwestern brewer sort of opinion about the Northeast, because Northeastern brewers are, are you know, holding on to it tight. Well, they're riding that money train Right, anyway. right. Well, just like the West Coast brewers rode West Coast IPAs and, and super hoppy money trains. So right. it's, you know, it's one and the same. I think in the Midwest, you might what you might end up seeing is actually a, a backlash 
backlash of where folks are starting to make really crystal clear IPA. Something that is visually, you look at it, and it's this very, you know, light in color, crystal clear, really filtered beer. But then when you taste it, it's got this this full body flavor to it. And I think that that in itself is a, a trick to create, and, and that will be the next thing that you'll start seeing your Midwestern brewers do. I like that. And, and that's what's fun to me. That's what's fun about, um, you know, not not just IPAs, but beer. You know, you can you can have so many different styles under the umbrella of another style. Mm-hmm. You can have different styles of IPAs. I mean, you, you could you could start up a brewery that does nothing but IPAs and still have eight different ones on tap that all taste distinctly different, but they're all IPAs. We are up against a break. Let's take a quick break. We're recording from Cigar Jones more with uh, Dan and Kelsey, and we'll be joined by Todd in just a little bit talking cigars here on the Minnesota BeerCast. Twin Cities News Talk is available wherever you are. AM 1130, 103.5 FM, 100.3 HD2, and on the iHeartRadio app for any mobile device. Because you deserve the truth wherever you are. TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com From the Cremation Society of Minnesota Weather Center. (laughs) (laughs) Or just puff puff we've all got our own yeah you've got to be really good you've got to be really good friends to share a cigar right they get get, get pretty intimate they get pretty intimate uh having a really great time and a great conversation again i want to thank the uh the guys from cigar jones for for having us out here we got to do this more often i'm game all right let's do it all right we left off talking uh ipas and all the different styles of ipas or styles of beers that you can make sort of under that ipa umbrella but now we're gonna we're gonna shift gears a little bit we're gonna talk uh we're gonna talk Bach. Yeah, talk Bach and, and Alt. We got a, a Schmaltz's Alt, famous shells brew. Yeah, tell See, us about the uh, the Alt. The Schmaltz's Alt. Yeah. So um, it's actually named for Warren Marty. He was the fourth generation president at uh, Shells, and he got the name because he famously used to take dates to a dump in town, New Ulm, to shoot rats. That's, <laughs> you guys call me romantic. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I usually that wrap was, my dates in bacon. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, not different, that kind of... Different kind of date. So, <laughs> Although, you know, now that I think about it, that sounds amazing. Yeah, he was he was kind of a ladies' man, you know, knew how to show a New Ulm girl a good time. <laughs> you and know, that actually counts for a date in New Ulm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, so the, the dump he used to go to was called Schmaltz is Dump. And so he got the nickname of Schmaltzy. Wow. And so um, it's a it's a double. That's a great story of how someone got their nickname. Yeah, That's yeah. Amazing. And actually his, his wife was actually someone who he had taken on a date there. So it obviously worked. I mean, it worked, he, worked yeah. Well, it worked eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had results. Right, Can't right. Can't argue with results. <laughs> So uh, that's that might have been the only time it worked. Right, right, right. <laughs> so tell us about the uh, the style. I don't think alt is a very common style of beer these days. So it's a it's a doppel alt, um, and so you're going to get those like rich malty sort of licorice and chocolatey notes on it. A um, little darker in color and a little thicker, creamier head on it. Um, it's, Great winter beer, it sounds. Yeah, like. yeah. It's a it's a really nice winter beer. You know, being a German brewery, we don't make a a ton of real dark beers so um this is going to be kind of the darkest that we're going to go through our through our
through our regular seasonals. So uh, limited release, so you'll really only see it probably January. might hang around a little bit in February, but it's one that we love bringing out every year. We had some discussions about doing a, uh, a barrel-aged uh, vanilla version of that, it. That sounds good. And we, <laughs> unfortunately... I'm on board. Yeah, we, we looked into the price of vanilla, and um, the best vanilla comes from Madagascar. Right. And Madagascar had like a typhoon or a monsoon or you I think know everybody did this year one of those tropical storms and so the cost of real vanilla was really really high and we didn't feel that it was appropriate to to put out a beer that we were going to have to charge you know $18 a six pack for just to have vanilla in it right. so i would say look for that in coming years from us but we want to wait till that vanilla price goes down a little bit so does schmaltz's all come out after snowstorm or around the same time? Around the same time. Okay. So one of the things, um, it's I think it's a little early this year for us, but it's because we are actually changing all of our packaging up. We're doing all new packaging, and we're going to enclose six packs and 12 packs. Oh. And we had to bring in a whole new machine into the building, had to bring in a big crane and... The, it, it, you should look at the pictures online if you can. Look at our social media accounts because I don't know how the heck they got it in the building. Yeah, but I don't know they how you did. get anything more into that building. Yeah, like, yeah. It's all you know, nooks and corners. And if you've ever been to the uh, the Shellsbury and taken a tour, it's it's an amazing place. There's a ton of history there. Probably the one of the most beautiful breweries I've ever been to just because of where it's situated on the river. Yeah. It's right up above the river. It's it's beautiful. We talk every year about doing a show from there. We need to uh, we need to arrange that. Uh, Bachfest? If only we knew somebody from Shells we right? could talk to. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll make this happen. You, we'll you, make this happen. <laughs> you mentioned Bachfest. Let's talk about the, the next beer we have here. Yeah. The, uh, so the famous we, uh, Shells Bach. Yeah. Uh, Bach is a wonderful beer. Uh, we're It's always one that comes out right after Snowstorm um, in the January season and uh this one so if you haven't been to bach fest um we do two really big festivals every year oktoberfest and bach fest bach fest is typically we used to always do it the saturday um after ash wednesday mm -hmm. but we switched it up this year there were there were some hockey tournaments in new Ulm, and, <laughs> and you know you don't you don't compete with hockey. It's just, you know, high school boys hockey, you don't compete with that. Right. You know, so the Bachfest this year will be March 3rd. And what we do is we light fires all over the grounds. And everybody hangs out outside, regardless of what the temperature is. I've been there negative six. I've been there 60 degrees. And they take iron pokers and they put them in the fire. And then they stick them in your beer, and the heat from those iron pokers caramelizes the beer and just adds this extra level of sweetness to it. And it's a it's a real good time. It's so. already a little bit of a sweet beer to begin with, right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely some of those caramel toffee notes that are going to happen on it. So, But this will add that little extra sweetness, and it kind of warms it up, and it keeps your beer from freezing when you're standing out there in negative six. I've been there with, uh, with Schmitty 
Brady when it's been really, really yeah, cold. It was cold. <laughs> An- another event that I uh, took my wife to as uh, an anniversary event, I believe. <laughs> Real hopeless romantic. Yeah, you, are. you know. She's well, at least you sport. didn't take her to the dump. <laughs> right? exactly. Maybe you will this year. Right? I mean. Yeah, I hear it's a hot spot. <laughs> Probably be crowded at the at Schmaltz's dump. Yeah, it's, you know, it's new old tradition. <laughs> any uh, any advice for amateur pokers? If I want to do it at home, what's the best way to poke my buck? <laughs> um, make sure you got a it's fire a pit. Family show. Yeah, right. Right. Come on. right. Just the tip of the iron poker. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> you can edit that out, right? <laughs> I could, but I won't. <laughs> so just build a bonfire, yeah, or what? A bonfire. I think a fire pit works great because you're, you know, a little above ground. You can keep keep that heat going when you mm-hmm. don't. You're not in the snow, so to speak. But make sure you get one of those iron pokers, a fireplace poker. And, uh, you know, plastic glasses actually work better than the really? well, glass works well, but. Uh, glass will shatter, but plastic gla- will just melt. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so you're not the, talking red solo cup plastic. No, no. I'm, you know, my favorite is like a. The almost Bubba keg. A, a Bubba keg, or, you know, like you get the those big plastic mugs from, the, you know, Holiday or whatever. Yeah. Those are a great way to. That's my it. coffee mug. Um, and and just, you know, don't put the iron poker next to the plastic. Just put just it in the middle. Put it in the beer, swirl it around a little, pop it out. You'll get the you'll get the effect that you want. Huh. I've so, never heard of that before. Yeah, really? Yeah. No, I've never heard of that before. We'll oh. be doing some Bach poking events around town, so you right, can you always... Can poke my yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we always try and do a few whenever we can find a place that's got a patio that'll let us light a fire on their <laughs> patio. We'll, we'll definitely do it, so... Do you know, uh, real quick, before the next break, every time I've been to Bachfest, it seems like every third song is uh, Ring of Fire. <laughs> what, is the, uh, what is the tradition behind that? You know, to be honest with you, I don't know the tradition behind, behind why that is, other than it's just a really good song to dance to when, you're, when you've had a lot of box and it keeps everybody moving. <laughs> Hell yeah, And we always have uh, you know, a great polka band down there that will, you know, Play, play songs and it's you know it's kind of the idea of like we have these rings of fire all over the brewery oh, grounds see? so you, you explained it for us right there you know that's that's kind of where it comes uh, from i was probably overthinking it yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's pre- pretty basic there right. are fires johnny cash right hard can, to mess that up you can smoke cigars and drink bach and it's a good time that's what i'm gonna be doing <laughs> <laughs> are we gonna uh we're gonna go down there you want to do the show from bach fest yeah i don't see why not we'll see if we can uh see if gonna, we arrange that. have we ever done a sub-zero beer cast before will be march no. 3rd it might not be sub-zero it might not be it sub- might be 75 be. <laughs> very true we did, uh, we, did, we did surly darkness days we've done that, that a few years wet. in a row and it was really cold there one of those years yeah yeah uh but not sub-zero no all right. Well, let's uh, let's pencil it in. See if we can make it happen. Yeah. yeah. All right. I uh, like it. I'll I'll help you out. <laughs> we know somebody. Yeah. Right. We we know a, we know we know a gal. Yeah. Let's <laughs> say we know a guy that uh, that didn't work. Um. All right. We are up against a break, and I do want to make sure we we save some time here for Todd from Cigar Jones. So I'll go see if I can round him up, and uh, we'll come back. We'll talk some more Bach. We'll talk some more Schmaltz. Uh, Schmaltz's alt. I want to try that. Yeah. Anyway. I got a new sour coming out that I want to tell you about too. Yep. All right. We will. Well, we'll lead off with that when we come back on the Minnesota Beer Cast. 
Justice and Drew. It's like your choice between waffles and pizza, but you don't have a choice of pizza. You just have a choice of waffles. <laughs> Weekdays 6 to 9, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. Hey homeowners, it's me, Charles Thayer, from the All Around Home Improvement Hour, here to tell you about my friends over at Elman. He's got a business to run, but he told us, have fun, do your last segment. He didn't need to come on, so we won't be doing the cigar talk that, we, uh, that we'd that we wanted to do, but uh, again, I do want to thank Cigar Jones, Corner 101 in Minnetonka Boulevard, for having us out here. This is, uh, this is my home away from home. Yeah. You can find me here uh, in all, most weeks. <laughs> most days, most <laughs> nights. <laughs> so uh, if you like cigars, this is a great place to come, hang out. Out and the and the, the nice thing about it is I'm I love cigars and I've been smoking cigars for years mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know a lot about cigars I've never b- bothered to really educate myself on cigars but I don't have to because I come down here tell these guys what I'm in the mood for and they always pick out the perfect one well, yeah I mean that was kind of the idea right is is I came in and I talked to Todd and Todd uh, recommended this Padron uh, Importado and I said you know we're gonna be sampling some some bigger you know sweeter maltier beers what have you got for a recommendation, and this is what he recommended. He said, "Well, let's try this. It's a, it's on the sweeter end, and it's got some great cocoa notes to it. It's going to go well, I think, with with what you're doing. So, and it's been right on the money. So, you know, if if you don't know a lot, like we don't know a lot, it can be intimidating. It's, it just, it's just like you know, kind of entering into the craft beer world. You know, you walk into a tap room or you go into a, a liquor store and you look at the shelves and you see a massive selection with a lot of words and you don't know what those words mean and a lot of styles and you don't know what they mean. And yeah. going into a a humidor at a cigar shop can be the same way. But I will say, just like beer, try it. See if you like it. And ask questions. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of been, that's the way I've, I've experienced cigars is, you know, I'm going to try this and, and see if I like it. And if I do, it goes on my list. And if I don't, I'll move on to the next one. There you go. It's not a huge investment, especially if you're looking at some of the more entry-level stuff. Yep. Get into it. See what you like. So we did leave off. You, Kelsey, yeah, mentioned you have a, a sour coming out that you want to talk about. Yeah, so we have a. Um, it's called a black sour. It's calling coming out called Lunar Disruption, but um, and it's it's delicious. It's those dark fruit flavors. But we actually took part of that batch and we fermented it with five watt coffee. And Ooh. so we have a coffee. I am intrigued. Yeah, so coffee sour. We're doing a release party at Five Watt in uh, Northeast on January 20th, and uh, we will be trying that with the public and and drinking a lot of coffee sour. It's delicious. I didn't get to bring a bottle, unfortunately. I think you're going to have to come back on soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, January 21st, you were going to have you on again. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so that sounds really, really crazy it's it's unique and a lot of people are afraid of it at first but once you try it i didn't want to say interesting it's it's really it might be amazing interesting. i don't know it, have you had a chance to try it i have i and, have well, and your initial I, thoughts you know if you're somebody who likes cold brewed coffee uh, and i am somebody and, who likes cold brew coffee and a you lot. like cold brew coffee that is you know like a, a dark roast cold brew coffee that's got a little bit of that bitterness to it, a little tang to it, you're going to really, really like it. So, 
It's it's amazing. Right. We're, I'm on board. We're excited. And that's going to come in the caged and cork yes. style that you guys have done yep. with, with that. It'll be caged and cork. It'll be super rem- limited release on that one. Um, but we have that release party at 5 Watt on January 20th. So Will people be able to find it in liquor stores? Yes. Okay. Yep. They'll be able to get it in liquor stores. There'll be a little bit What's in, the name again? in draft. It's called Lunar Effect. With an A. Lunar Affect. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Very good. And, and yeah. Dan, you guys have some news we didn't really touch on, but let's get it in before we have to wrap. You guys have a huge expansion planned. Yeah, we've, we started in 2008, and 2018 is our 10th year in business, so we're really excited about that. Happy anniversary, by the way. Yeah, thanks. So that, that'll kind of culminate in September, which is our official launch date. Um, so we have a bunch of events kind of rolling up until uh, August. Um, but we're we're working on an expansion, so uh, we're we're hopefully going to be building a brewery here, sticking a shovel in the ground this year, and I mean probably not a real shovel, but <laughs> well, you're going to need real shovels, and then a, you know a big backhoe <laughs> or something. I hope I get to run that; that'd be yeah. fun. <laughs> um, so we're we're working with the city. We're trying to find a space that will accommodate um, not only just kind of our current needs, but hopefully a place that we can call home for a long, long time. So, your, your future needs. Yeah, exactly. So it's a trick to find. Stillwater doesn't here, have a. You mean Minneapolis? I'm sorry, in Stillwater. Stillwater. So, okay. So yeah, we're we're looking in Stillwater. That's where we were founded. And yeah. with the name like Liftbridge, it's either yeah. gonna be Stillwater or. Well, Duluth, I didn't know if right? he, meant he was building an extra, or if he was. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Yeah, and the, the goal would be to have a all-in-one brewery tap room, and we would move out of our current space and into this this new new facility. So we're targeting. Um, Thirty to forty thousand square feet initially, with room to grow, um, up to about eighty eighty thousand square feet. What kind of a decision making process goes into finding a location like that? Uh, you know, we're working with a a real estate broker to help us kind of identify property. So, I mean, you first have to talk about what are your your needs. Um, we've worked with an architect to do a plan as far as how many square feet do you need for the building? What does that turn into acres? You know, I don't know how much that means in parking lot, but they do. So they've helped us to kind of identify all of all of those things. So, do you have any any breweries you've visited um, who are kind of serving as inspiration? I mean, I, I think you know we talk about how how pish, picturesque it is at at Shells, and the other the other place that really comes to mind when I think of beautiful breweries is New Glarus. I mean, it's just a, sitting on top of the hill. It's like a beacon. It's a it's a great brewery if you've never been there. It's it's beautiful. Have you drawn inspiration from any places you've been to? Uh, for sure. I mean, every year I go on, um, I guess a, a a brewery tour just for personal reason. I go someplace in the country, fly there, you can and probably spend still a write weekend. it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, let's not tell the IRS that. But um, yeah, recently we went to uh, Colorado, so we toured around Denver and Fort Collins and. Um, a bunch of areas around there. So, and certainly, I think you know Surly has set the standard here locally for you know a new destination brewery. Obviously, Shells is a gorgeous, gorgeous property. I've been there many times, and if you haven't made the trek to New Ulm, you should. Um, so, I think um, you know there's there's definitely lots of inspiration. But we'll you know Stillwater's a pretty picturesque place. It's a nice nice destination to swing out if you have an afternoon open. And, um, Absolutely. You so, mentioned you mentioned Surly, who's got kind of a, a very modern take on the quote-unquote destination brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something you guys would look to repeat, or would it be a little more, I don't know, a little more opposite of that? 
You know, we, we haven't gone too far down the design phase, but, you know, Stillwater has a little bit more of that Pioneer um, wood feeling, so I think that's probably what some of the design cues that we'll, we'll take for the brewery. And one of the things I love about Surly and one of the things that I've been preaching for a long time is the inclusion of food in, in breweries. And is that something you guys are looking at? I think we'd, we'd definitely like to. Uh, that's still up in the air at this point, but um, I think food is a big part of beer. And so we'd love to be able to showcase the beer and food together. Very good. Well, congratulations. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exciting news. Keep us yeah, posted. Definitely. You know, as those plans start to fall together mm-hmm. and uh, maybe around September when you guys start rolling out your events and your 10th anniversary celebration, we'd love to be a part of it in awesome. some way. Thank you for the support. Well, thanks to uh, Cigar Jones for having us out. Thank you, Kelsey. Thank you, Dan, for coming out and enjoying some cigars and Thank you. sharing your delicious beers with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Schmitty. Anything I can do, you just let me know. Yeah, you did You did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Contributed nothing this week. All right. <laughs> That'll do it for this episode of the Minnesota Beer Cast. Thanks for joining us. And As always, if you enjoy the show, tell a friend. Until next time. See you. Cheers. The fact Cheers. that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a job.